0: No one told me that this would be so sweet so so quickly if you just persevere through the first few months. And it was incredible. Not, not to say that Helena was already able to trust me. Not to say that our marriage was mm. restored. But I started to laugh again. I started to be able to smile at people at the grocery store, not feeling like a pervert. Like Helen and I were starting to have sex in a in a in a holistic mind body spirit kind of way, and it was just mind-boggling how quickly we started experiencing life that life that Jesus came to bring us abundance. Just the very minimal version of it, but it was already better than I had imagined it being.
1: Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are Power for Impact. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm very excited to have my guest here today, Sean Bonato. Sean has an organization called Secret Habit he helps people with porn recovery. He does porn recovery coaching helping men recover from pornography addiction. Sean, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Ron. So good to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You are most welcome and thank you for joining us. This is such an important issue. I remember somebody saying at one point not that long ago that that my son's generation, they called it the the porn generation. I just thought, yuck, like, yuck. Yeah. What, what got you to this? Tell me a little bit about your story of what brought you to this place of, of, of helping people in this area.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. And I think the reality is, Ron, is, is my parents generation isn't the quote unquote porn generation in terms of internet pornography. So, you know, that's the reality is I never had conversations in my home about sex, about pornography, about not mm. if you see something, but when you see something, come to mom and dad, we are safe for you. So growing up in the home that I was in, it was very hush, hush and silent. And part of my story is actually my, my mom found uh, pornography on our computer one day and never talked to me about it. and to you know Sean, who secretly wanted to be found out to have a conversation about this thing he had gotten into, never happened. And it was almost like, I have no one to talk to. So I saw porn at ten, and you know that's that's actually older than the norm today. I think the average ages are usually about eight or nine nowadays. So you're right, Ron. What you heard is totally true. It is the porn generation because of these things we hold in our hand, have the power, that NASA used to have, like, it's just wild to think about how much is in our phone. So with my story, really growing up in a household where my dad watched pornography, I saw him at night on TV, watching adult channels, I saw him, you know, searching for things and seeing the history on the computer. So my family system was had a pornography in it, and then Mm -hmm. silence about pornography. I had a friend's dad when I was around 12, a firm us watching pornography. He saw us and caught us and affirmed it. So I just had this really skewed idea of like, what is porn? How do you talk to people about it? Um, It must be a Mm. good thing if my dad does it, you know, he's doing it late at night when no one's around. So it must be something that's secretive. So there's just all these mixed messages that a young boy doesn't know what to do with. So I was just really hushed. I was silenced in this struggle that also was really appealing As a young boy, first time I saw porn, I remember instantly just thinking, this is wrong, but also thinking, I want more. And that's the madness for most young people is there, as we know, God, God, God's law is written on our heart. There's the, there's the spirit about it where we know it is wrong, but it's also so compelling. And there's a quote from a book that I walk guys through called unwanted by a fellow named Jay Stringer. And he talks about. Uh, Pornography, when we view it, it goes through our eyes and lands into the crevices of our trauma. And as a young boy, I grew up in a system where there was a lot of trauma. And pornography spoke to those areas of feeling less than, feeling weak, feeling this and that. And pornography is all about themes and stories that play into our pain. And it's just mind-boggling when we begin to learn about that because it tells us a lot more than it's not just about being a horny little boy. It's about actually our pain and our longings and our unmet needs. And I believe God is so wonderful. He gave us these longings and needs, but when they go unmet, we ache. And so often, you know, in this world, we usually grab an Advil when our body aches, but a young child doesn't really know what to do in those moments and pornography and food and drugs are such great vices for us in those moments without knowing any better. So, with my story basically became addicted to pornography around 13 years old and that means that i was watching it like three times a day my whole world became about pornography and that really consumed mm-hmm. me leading me into my you know teenage years young adult years getting into toxic relationships really just seeking out any way i can feel sexual pleasure if that was pornography masturbation, even beginning to get into sex addiction, going to nightclubs and parties. I just got really engulfed in this sea of, of sex addiction and with no one to talk to, no one to help me understand what was going on. And and that really consumed me, felt a lot of shame. I didn't know the Lord at the time. So I thought this is just what you're supposed to do. Always looking for that next hit. And it's just that never ending, exhaustive fight of finding the next hit, but then it doesn't satisfy, and getting the next hit, and never satisfies, and it's just endless, and it's vapor, as it says in Ecclesiastes. It's hopeless, it's futile, and it's so frustrating. So I, I hit uh, a few major breaking points in my uh, young adult and, and adult years, basically for those, the first one was I actually had uh, an erectile dysfunction uh, episode when I was 19 years old. And that was the first time I realized that this porn thing is doing something to me that I didn't know it was going to do. So 19-year-old mm. boy, healthy, going to the gym, full of adrenaline, and I, I couldn't get an erection. And, and that was just terrifying to me. That was definitely mm. like rock bottom moment number one for me. Uh, rock bottom moment number two for me was when I actually finally told my wife, Helena, that I was much more addicted to porn than I told her. I lied to her when I met her and I told her a very light version of the full story and told her that I was in recovery for pornography addiction when really I was just, I was going to a recovery group because they served dinner and it was a place where they had some good music. So I wasn't really going for porn recovery. I was going for a meal and some music, but I told her I was going for porn recovery. So a rock bottom for me was when I finally told her the gravity of my porn addiction. And that was actually when I relapsed for the first time in marriage, which was the most devastating thing ever. And then the third really pivotal moment, rock bottom for me, was when I continued to watch porn and masturbate in my marriage, lying to my wife, seeing her devastation. And I'll never forget, and this is something I talked a lot to my clients about on our podcast. She had this moment with me and she said, Sean, what is life going to look like in five years if you never quit porn like you say you want a family you want kids you want this and you want that but like have you ever thought about what life will look Mm -hmm. like if you never quit porn and then she flipped it my smart beautiful wife she said I want you to picture Sean what life will look like if you do quit porn and Ron that was so life-changing for me I wish I could say I quit porn right then and there Um, But it was about a month and a half later that I actually did. And that was my 25th birthday. I quit pornography for good. And it's actually been over five years now, which is incredible to celebrate. I'm 30 years old today, five years clean from pornography. And now I get to help and coach other men. It was my birthday on August 20th. So that's my my birthday is my porn recovery (laughs) anniversary. So that's kind yeah. of a bit of my story is like some of yeah. those rock bottom moments, a bit of where I come from. And then in between there, we could probably talk a bit further about how I found the Lord. Mm. He just radically changed my life. But unfortunately it wasn't through the church I was going to. And there, we, my wife and I are passionate about seeing gaps in the church's help for pornography. And how do we fill those gaps? How do we speak into them? How do we mm. boldly challenge the purity culture that has been running the life of the church for far too long? So I'm passionate because of my own story Cause it's revolutionized my family. We have an 18-month-old daughter named Violet today. Oh, it's just incredible Congratulations. what God has done. Thank you, man. Well,
1: thank you so much for just being so vulnerable with sharing, because, you know, there's not a lot of people who have the courage to be so honest about things that, that impact so many of us. Like, it's just cr- mission critical. So, you know, I, I think God— allows us to bring truth into the light so that he can redeem it and i know there's people listening right now saying oh my gosh you know here's a young man who's married has a young uh family who went through the same things that i'm going through and and there is hope there is an opportunity and it is a secret habit like i love the name of your organization because as long as it remains a secret and it's so easy to keep a secret, isn't it? like it's just that's part yeah. of the probably part of the the challenge of it is it's it's so easy to keep a secret, and as long as it's yeah. a secret, it's probably gonna maintain a grip on you. What's your advice yeah. to young young men who who are who are now where you
0: were at, yeah? Yeah, well, I'll I'll open with this quote that my wife and I love. It says, where secrets are present, intimacy is absent. And that word intimacy doesn't just mean sex, as I think we've done a disservice to the word sex and to the word intimacy, because we often focus on sex being just physical intercourse. And intimacy is really just another word that the church uses for sex, because they're scared to use the word sex. So the word intimacy is so much more than that. It's relational connection. It's hugging it's touching it's being near someone it's emotional as well it's just beautiful so secrecy robs us of intimacy which is the building block to relationships especially with jesus as we know so well but when we aren't close to jesus what is the reason for that oh because there's secrets we don't want him to be in our life we don't want him to be in the full reign of our life so my advice to men women as well who are yes. kind of in that place of maybe feeling there's some secrecy. The first thing we need to do is find someone safe to talk to. Safety mm-hmm. is the number one thing here and it's often not found, not because it's not available, but often because we already fear judgment. We already fear that they're going to, you know, fill in the blank to me. But the reality mm-hmm. is the safety is much more readily available than we think it is. Typically, when we're looking for safe people, what we're looking for is somebody who has something that we, maybe something that we want. Maybe they have gone through something that we're going through. And maybe there's just something about them every time you interact with them. There's just this feeling you get that they really care. That is an amazing way to create a safe relationship. you not, you don't need to start off looking for a coach or a counselor. The first place I believe to start is just sharing this with somebody and mm-hmm. having that opportunity to receive love, because the stats show that you know 65 to 70% of Christian men are watching porn at least once a month. This isn't abnormal stuff. So for you to be able to find a mm-hmm. safe person to share this with, I really pray that that person would be able to say, man, I love you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. How can I help? What can I do?
1: Yeah. How
0: can we pray? And that person doesn't have to be your coach or your counselor. They can just be a brother and a friend to talk to. Imagine having that. Right. So
1: good. You know, you said something earlier on and I want to come back to it because I just think it's so powerful. Like, Honestly, probably the first couple paragraphs you said, I could have stopped the interview right there and just reflected on it for like a week because you talked about how pornography just kind of goes through our eyes and seeps into the, the crevices of our, of our woundedness, our brokenness, our trauma. And it's like, holy, wow, what? Like, that's ginormous. But I also think, isn't it crazy how, how comforting the intimacy uh, and sex, like, the woman is to a man. Like, it's just, it's so beautiful, it's so powerful, and it's so easy to get wrong. Like, it's so, you know, it, like, there's there's God's plan for our, for our life, which is one that is going to bring maximum joy, maximum fruitfulness, maximum security for a family and kids, and and then there's our brokenness, our trauma, how we cope poorly with it, and, and how much sex... How powerful sex is for men. It's, it's wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the challenges that a lot of men that I meet with, um, that maybe they struggle with porn, but even more, they're having sexual struggles in their marriage, their wife isn't satisfied with their sex life, and that makes them feel inferior. A lot of it actually boils down to this question I always ask, Do you see sex as a right or a privilege? And it's just groundbreaking for them because it's a gift from the Lord. It's a privilege. It's not something that we deserve. It's not a right for us to have. It's a gift. And when something is given as a gift, we need to receive it as a blessing, not something that we just need it so bad because that often makes us very entitled and sex and entitlement don't go well together.
1: No, not unless you're going to just continue to use people as a means to your own ends, which isn't love at all. It's the complete opposite. It's horrifying, really. And 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 so that's such an interesting question to ask ourselves. Um, yeah, that's just so beautiful. And 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 to to your point, I love that you know secrets rob us of our intimacy with our spouse, and and so you know I've seen the pain of women whose husbands are addicted to pornography and it's just so unsatisfying for everybody. Like nobody wins. And yet, and that's the, that's the thing with addictions, isn't it? Whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, it's this imitation of the real thing that is yeah. unsatisfying ultimately.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. The young mind, the young brain can't comprehend that it's not real. And then it becomes reality because of repetition. And that's what's so maddening about pornography is it's so fake from a logical perspective. But this world is so sexual. The culture is so sexual. We look at the sexual revolution back in the 70s. It's like we've been given this dinner plate of falsehood of what is sex to the world And it's fake, it's tinsel, and it's not satisfying. And that's why, and there's this famous quote, I'm not sure if you know Gabar Mate, he's a famous psychologist, he's out of Vancouver, just wise. I think he's like 82, so he's lived a life. But he says that if sex was about sex, then wouldn't sex addicts just marry other sex addicts and the addiction would go away? That's a good point yeah and it's just fascinating because it gets to the heart of what is sex about it's about connection it's about validation affirmation reassurance it's about being known so you can be loved Mm -hmm. And addiction does not know you and that's why it's all about secrecy wow
1: wow that's that's crazy stuff that is crazy stuff and so what you know if you're a parent, like you mentioned, your mom, like she's like, ah, what is this crap? You know, and and I say that your mom. Well, let's get back to that. But you know, I look at, you know, you look at scripture. You know, look what King David did. Literally had his friend murdered so to cover up the fact that he had sex with his wife and she was having his baby. Like sex addictions and making horrible decisions around sex isn't new. You think about King Solomon. Like, what? How many how many concubines did he have? Like he had. Eight hundred girls that he was sleeping with. Like I mean, it's yeah. like this isn't new. Like men dealing with the power of their sexuality is 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 not insignificant and never has been. You yeah. know, the expressions of that certainly through the internet and phones and everything has become much easier. But it's never been an issue that men have not had to wrestle with, and, and there's never been a time where we haven't done it poorly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right?
1: And I guess. You know, in one sense we could look at all that and say, ah, what the heck, everybody struggles with it, so what's the difference? And it's like, Well, something you said earlier, Sean, is well, God's written his 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 law in our hearts. Like we know when something's wrong, like we know <laughs> we can yeah. justify it. We you know, we can deny it, we can put it off, but we know in our hearts there's a better way. Yeah. And we know that. And so so I just acknowledge that it's powerful if you're listening and you're like, yeah, this has got me by the whatever. And, and you can't figure it out. Well, it's tough. It's hard. It's real. It's strong. It has a, it has a spirit of its own. That just is devouring you, your family, your, your integrity, Mm -hmm. your fatherhood and, and it's crushing you and you know it. And so, so, I'm going to talk about a little bit later. I want to talk to you about where do we go and how does your ministry help. But before we go there, I want to talk about the situation your poor mom found herself in. And Your mom's not alone. It's like, ah, what do I do? Ah, like, this is horrible. How do we talk about that? How do we support our kids who are wrestling with this insatiable appetite to see images and all the things that come with that? Like, yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a huge question. I have an 18 month old daughter so my lived experience is, is not there yet but one thing I often no. think about and if I am going to educate on this topic is always thinking about what did I need in that moment just to educate parents on the mind of their child And I didn't need mm. I didn't need a coach. I didn't need my mom to say that's good or bad. I, I actually just needed my mom to say, I'm here for you. Like, ah, I'm, just, I'm here for you, Sean. Like that looks really hard. If you ever see anything like that, you can come to mommy and talk to me, talk to daddy and mommy about that. Cause that's just the pain of a young boy who's stuck in something. They don't know who they can talk to. They don't need coaching. They don't need fixing. They just need someone to talk to because they got themselves in something. They don't even know what they're doing. It's just, it just feels good. And that's, that's so shaming to a young boy, a young girl. Mm -hmm. So if I could, if I could just encourage any parent, it's just to have thousands of small conversations about this topic. So your children begin to trust Mm -hmm. that what you're saying is true rather than that one time saying, Hey, this is sex. And if you want to talk, we can talk. It's, it's creating a culture of honesty, which my Mm -hmm. family did not have. And we're actually now working to rebuild that in our family, which is amazing. But I think parents just need to know that a culture of honesty is better than a culture of honor because honor will come from honesty.
1: Wow. And so that culture of honor is one that's, uh, I'm going to appear to be doing the right thing and be stoic because that's important. Yeah. But you're saying, well, that's not necessarily the best value. Yeah. If we make honesty the best value,
0: we can help each other be whole. Hundred percent, yes, and that's what I needed so desperately. And I just thought, hey, I'm just not going to rock the boat. My parents don't know what to do. They've never invited me to talk to them, so obviously I can't. Mm. Yeah, and that goes for pastors like that. The pastors, yeah, I know you're a coach for the parishes. Like, man, nice. I just I so desperately want to see pastors be that shepherd for their flock who didn't have parents who had an honest system. honest culture i I just want to see pastors invite people into that where that there's a thousand Mm. small conversations about the gospel and this problem and that problem and this is a safe place to talk about it because Mm. this is our culture yeah
1: yeah i agree it's just well there's freedom you know if the lord if jesus is the son has set you free you're free indeed like joy and happiness and peace and purpose comes out of freedom, uh, of and that is this radical on self-honesty, and willingness to and the support we need to live a life that we know is helpful and healthy yeah. and good and righteous and and it's it's hard, but it doesn't mean we it's not possible and 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 boy we never give up. If we never yeah. give up, if we keep—so so, tell me a little bit about—you mentioned that you weren't always, uh, you know, your faith wasn't always something that you had, or, or maybe it wasn't always something that um, was important to you. Tell, tell me a little
0: bit about that. Yeah, sure. So um, my mom grew up in a very strict Catholic home, I would say. I always say it like this, like my, my grandfather, my mom's dad— is like the Pharisee of Pharisees like I don't know I don't it's just no relationship with Jesus but is yeah. very strict on religion so my mom grew up in that system and basically raised us in that system until about 10 or 12 I was in catechism no reason why no idea why this young boy doesn't want to be there so I had a lot of Anger towards the church and towards my mom and just religion in general. A lot of confusion. So growing up in that system made me pretty jaded. So I, I'll never forget, Ron. I was like in high school, grade twelve. Had a couple of my good friends come to Christ, and they were they were going to this really cool church locally that had an awesome like young adult night. And I will never yeah. forget. I was driving, parked at a red light, and I looked beside me, and there's Joey, this recent Christian opens his window, he's like, Sean, man, you got to come out tonight. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, I hate you. Like, you're such a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the the word Jesus just made me cringe just simply because I had no idea. I was just such a rigid system that I saw. I just saw Jesus as a rule book or a crutch for weak people, which is funny. Mm. (laughs) Um, But – Long story short, I, I, I actually was in a like a business cult, um, which was a crazy experience that actually led to a lot of trauma. But in that, a couple of the guys that were mentoring me were Christians, and I was very jaded at first, but after a couple of years, became more open to learning about it simply based on how they handled life differently than I did. And what that led mm-hmm. to was me church hopping for like eight weeks. There was one specific church that I went to that seemed kind of cool. The pastor was young and he was you know, funnier than all the other ones. So I went back there on the eighth week, uh, sitting in the back of this big church, and it rocked me. He was preaching on the church of Thyatira in the book of Revelation and talking about sexual immorality, talking about how Jesus is the only answer to porn addiction and all these other things. And I had never heard anyone say anything like that before. I had no idea that, about Jesus or who he was or anything, but he spoke to me in a way that I could resonate, shared the gospel in a way that I had never heard before. And that was the beginning of me exploring Jesus and Christianity. And my that pastor was apologetics guru. So I would go for breakfast with him and just bomb him with questions and get this thing figured out. And Jesus just met me in all of that. So, that was a huge point for me at 23 years old that changed my life. I wish I could say when I got baptized and really committed myself to to Jesus, that's when I quit porn, but that was actually the the realization that the church isn't often equipped to help in these areas. They're very much of the behavior modification, and that sent me down the path of like, who do I talk to about this problem and what do I do with it? And I did eventually find some, an incredible couple to learn from and glean from that led me into a, a church that was running a really solid program. But that was my struggle is after I committed to Jesus, got baptized, I actually just ended up serving a lot. So it would kind of cover up my secret habit so that no one would see me as a bad Christian. And I got really engulfed in that that performance-driven Christianity. And no one really asked me about what's going on behind the scenes. Like, getting to know me in a way. And that's that culture of honesty and safety that just was lacking in certain areas. It was a beautiful church. I still have great things to say about it, but they were silent in topics that really mattered the most. And that was the challenge for me. But my story of how I met Jesus, I just I love it because he met me and brought me down this path. He wooed me and just incredible.
1: Isn't that beautiful? You know, when I look at that, your story, or or listen to it, and just hear the progression of impact that the church has had on you, you know, because we are the church, right?
0: Yeah. And we, God man. was
1: loving you through his church, and it looked like it came through all kinds of different phases. And I just want to apologize to you on behalf of the church for having a Catholic grandfather, a Catholic mom, and a Catholic upbringing that didn't lead you to a place where you encountered Jesus. And and that's exactly why I coach. Um, you know, our relationship is primarily meant to be about Jesus and, and the Church. Yeah. But sometimes we've made it about the Church, and you can't find Jesus anywhere. And I don't know that that's intentional. In fact, I know it's not. But sometimes we're so out of touch with what people are wrestling with, what they're feeling, and 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 how we communicate to one another to, to open up that safe space where people can be honest and real and just realize that Jesus is your best friend. He's your biggest fan, and he loves you. And yeah, we have these rituals, and those rituals are beautiful, but they're not beautiful if you don't know Jesus. Our Mm. Catholic faith doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense if you don't know Jesus. And we assume because your parents bring you to church that all this stuff makes sense. And I would suggest it does not. I think the starting Mm. point should be none of it makes sense. I think that would (laughs) be a great assumption. This does not make sense. I think that would be a great assumption. And then from there, let's bring people into a relationship with Jesus, fill them with the Holy Spirit. And then through that lens, Mm. oh man. It's rich and beautiful and healing and awesome.
0: Mm, I love that. But boy, when wow. we
1: presume all the rest, we leave people in a really cold place of feeling like we don't get them and we don't care.
0: Mm. Wow. So Thank you, Ron. that Thank you. Yeah. That speaks to my heart. That really impacts me. And I love what you're saying that belong before you believe and belong before you understand and people Mm. don't judge you and there's a place where questions are received and answered and wanted and Mm. yeah that's what I needed that's what I got from this pastor specifically Uh, and I just love what you're saying because yeah so much of it is so confusing and it you're right it only makes sense when we know the gospel
1: Yeah, and what I love about your story with this pastor, so thank God for that pastor, like, good on him, like, I love the guy already, and I've never met him. But he gave you, he provided a platform, a space for to have a conversation. Yes. You know, and sometimes we just want to put people through rituals and think that's good enough. And it's like, well, is it? Because there could be all the truth in the world behind those rituals. Mm. And yet, if we don't give people a space to, to know and be known, to love and be loved, we're missing the point. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. We're missing, and he provided you what you longed for the most, which was a place to ask questions to understand. That's why I love Alpha so much. If, if churches yeah. aren't doing Alpha and we're just doing what we're supposed to do, we're just doing church, and we're mm-hmm. not creating spaces to have honest conversations and be vulnerable and meet people where they're at and get to know them and love them and accept them, well then, again, we're going to continue to die. yeah and it breaks my heart because we don't have to and Mm. so you know people are gonna be struggling. so tell me a little bit about secret habit tell me why did you and your wife head down this road and what's your hope for this amazing ministry like thank you for doing what you're doing like I'm just so excited about mm. secret habit and and the uh, healing help and health it can bring the yeah. world like oh my gosh tell me more Yeah, <laughs> let's get you. like how do we get involved how do we get engaged you know yeah. you know so tell me more
0: yeah thank you ron That's really encouraging this your excitement level because it, it is exciting when there are good quality resources and i don't say that because I know everything, but I say that because God has called us to do this, and it's from our own story. So really, as I already shared, quitting pornography on my 25th birthday, after a few months, like first month, second month, third month, there was just this progressively, this progressive like opening of my eyes of what, this is what life is supposed to feel like. Like I, I didn't experience freedom yet or anything, but like my brain was already recalibrating to a level of no one told me that this would be so sweet so, so quickly if you just persevere through the first few months. And it was incredible. Not, not to say that Helena was already able to trust me, not to say that our marriage was yeah. restored, but I started to laugh again. I started to be able to smile at people at the grocery store, not feeling like a pervert like Helen and I were starting to have sex in a a holistic mind, body, spirit kind of way. And it was just mind boggling how quickly we started experiencing life, that life that Jesus came to bring us, abundance, just the very minimal version of it, but it was already better than I had imagined it being. So that was kind of the beginning stages of that. And as that was happening, I remember feeling like God wanted me to start sharing my story of addiction, wow. of what what I started doing to, to recover, and just these beautiful outcomes. Because this is what Helena said to me as I started writing. I wanted to write a book. and it, it hasn't, and, and maybe it will happen, but that was kind of the beginning stages. But Helena looked at me one night and said, yeah, Sean, it's, it's really crazy. So many resources out there, and I think a lot of the training pastors get is really focused on what not to do rather than what you get from when you actually quit. Mm. And the mindset gets so focused on quitting porn rather than running towards something beautiful. And that became the framework as to how we talk about secret habit is what are we going towards? Freedom for something bigger than just removing something from your life. And it really just blew up in our hearts. And we just really recognized as us being a young married couple with really no one to talk to. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know what resources to use. We felt really strongly called to transform relationships, specifically marriages, that are just getting started. So we had a passion to impact newlyweds so that they don't start behind the eight ball, right? Like so many newlyweds are already behind the eight ball really as they get started. So that is really like the beginning stages and that's really when god blew it up in our heart to make this something bigger than just writing some blogs creating some videos um it was about a year or so i was sober for about a year helena had really worked through a lot of her own trauma it's called betrayal trauma when the wife goes through this as well that's something that a lot of men don't know about don't understand but their wives go through an incredible trauma when their husband Has been choosing a screen over them, has been lying to them constantly, Mm. and continues to act out even when they promise they're not going to. So that's a whole nother topic in tangent. But my wife, I would love to get
1: Helena on the show and talk about that from her. Would she do that? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, yeah. She's amazing, man.
0: You you definitely would be blessed to have her on the show.
1: All right. Then she's next.
0: (laughs) All right. Awesome. Yeah. So. So she's she went through that. And again, her own personal testimony of being able to talk to women about it comes from her own healing. So it was about a year or so after my recovery. Helena had gone through recovery and just felt this on our heart that God wanted us to make this bigger than what it was. Not in the not in like income or size, but just like he wanted us to do it full time. And that was right around the time where Helena started feeling called to move our family over to Nova Scotia, where You and I both live now, but I was in Vancouver for my whole life (laughs) and we really just felt like the Lord was saying, Sean and Helena, you have built your life to the, to the best of your ability, the way it is right now. You've known me for X amount of years. That's great. But I want you to move, not bring anything and, and build your life on me alone. And it was like, oh man, like that's a big deal. So that took some months (laughs) of discernment and prayer. And it just felt more and more convicting that it was meant to happen Uh right around that time. We were called, we got asked to speak in Lebanon to um, church leaders and schools and share our testimony. Like, you know, it's God when it's Lebanon, Lebanon. like no one chooses to go there. Uh So we knew that God was calling us to do this in a bigger fashion. So that was kind of the snowball of how it all happened. We moved to Nova Scotia. We got connected to a nonprofit, did some nonprofit work for a while, and just really owned and honed our skills. And really that's when God just really called us deeper into impacting men and women, really regardless of their scenario. But we have a deep passion to transform relationships. So our vision for Secret Habit is to uh, help transform 100,000 relationships. And we believe that every person we help get free from porn goes out and, and impacts a hundred people in their lifetime. That's so just that hundredfold hundred fold blessing. And then we also have this mission of reclaiming what God made beautiful because we believe porn steals God's beauty and we are reclaiming it by getting, by setting the captives free.
1: Oh, man, I'm man, that is so cool. And so there's so many things that are blowing up in my head right now, but, um, are you set up as fee-for-service or are you a charity? Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so we're set up as a for-profit, so it's a fee-for-service. Um, historically, I'd always done one-on-one with clients. I still offer one-on-one, but that's always going to yeah. be a higher price point. So I'm just finishing. I, I yeah, have five course. modules launched, but I'm just working on finishing. I haven't launched as a, as like a pre-launch special, but a, my new all-in-one coaching system which is called the recovery accelerator, which I'm so pumped about because it's going to be everything I know put into a video course. And then on top of the video course, you get a private community. So you have that area where you can get out of secrecy with other men who are going through the program. And then you get two group coaching calls per week where I'm doing community calls on Tuesday night, where it's just guys connecting to get more vulnerable. And then Saturday mornings is called spotlight Saturdays where Um, one guy gets into the spotlight and I actually coach him one-on-one with other guys watching so they can learn from how I coach this person. then the next week they can be a part of being in the spotlight. So that's my all-in-one system. And that, because it's more group coaching, I'm able to do it at a much better price point. So we're looking at like, you know, hundred dollars a month kind of thing rather than, you know, much more than that. So that is the fee for service, but I'm always looking at how do I make this more accessible, for more people the one-on-one is suitable for some people but the group is suitable for others and having both options i'm really excited about
1: sean i think that's genius let let me just say that i think it's genius and a hundred dollars a month that like what wife what family who's wrestling with a loss of intimacy the impact that has on sex your sex life your your marriage your trust like a hundred bucks a month are you kidding me like yeah Heck yeah. And and what I love about what you're doing too, Sean, is you're modeling what coaching looks like. So as you mentioned, when these people are set free from doing the stuff they know they don't want to do, it's like, damn it, I don't want to do this anymore. And they're getting set free. Well, of course they're going to help other people. And you're literally modeling how to help other people. Because one of the things you said is, you know, pastors aren't formed in this. Pastors don't have that. I don't think... I don't think it's the pastor's responsibility yeah, in the sense exactly. that I think it's the pastor's responsibility to make sure we're addressing whatever's stealing people's joy, peace, and happiness. And so, yeah, understand it, know it, and, and and make sure there's a space for that type of conversation and healing within your church. You don't have to do it. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking every church needs a Sean and Helena.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, thank you, Ron. I received that. Uh, Yeah,
1: and the way you're going about it is a way that's helping people to multiply. Like, I just see this is just a crazy, cool mm -hmm. opportunity to help people get very real about this stuff so that they can have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus came for, not to tell us what to do and make us feel guilty (laughs) so that we feel like we're shameful and the complete opposite. Yeah. You know in your heart what brings life and what doesn't. And so do the right thing. And and your ministry is there to help. But the way you're doing it is very, very, very accessible. Mm. Thank you. And so way to go. I just Mm. want to affirm you in that. Like that is awesome.
0: Thank and you, so, so
1: how do people connect with you guys? Like, so so people are yeah. listening, going, okay, enough talking. Yeah. How uh, <laughs> wh- how do I take action? Like, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ron, I just before I get into that, I just want to say Helen yeah, yep. and I, she came back to work last week. I was telling you just before we hit record that she's the visionary of the of the ministry, and yeah. she was just like blowing this up in my mind that we need to create a system for churches, pastors, leaders, and ministries to not just refer to us, but know how to refer to us. So we're actually creating a system right now to like step-by-step oh, educate good. pastors and leaders on how to connect their flock to secret habit. Cause so often pastors are like, Hey, I know this awesome website, secret habit, here's the link. And then it, nothing happens. Right. Yes. So we are working on a system to actually educate pastors and leaders on how do you help your flock get that connection made, not just send them a resource. So that's in the works right now. But for now, the best way right. to connect with me, if you want to that's actually so cool. connect with me, you can actually book a complimentary consult call with me. If you go, we, we can probably link that in the show notes, Ron. But if you go to our website, There's a little button in the top right that's schedule a consult call. If you're really seriously looking to get help, to go from point A where you're at to point B, and you're just kind of confused at the middle point, I I offer a 30-minute call to help guys know what's that middle so that I can be there to help them in it. And then balls in your court to decide if you want to step forward in that. There's also a really cool message bot we have on our website. There's a little circle with a video of me, and it just opens up the door. If you want to have a chat just via text or audio, there's also that option on our website as well. If maybe booking a call is just too much right now, you just want to open up a conversation, you can text me through that bot. You can send me a video message, an audio message. Those are all really awesome. And if you are looking for just some resources for now, we have the Secret Habit Podcast, which is totally free. We release a new episode every Tuesday, and we're digging into topics that a lot of people just don't know how to talk about. My wife and I do it together. So if you're looking for some clarity, some education, some help, maybe just to build some safety and rapport with me, that can be a great way to do it. And then you can also grab a free resource that I have that's called The Essential Step to Quitting Porn. I'm actually just about to launch a brand new one called the four stages of recovery but you can hop on there as well and we'll link that link below as well hey ron just so people know what to click so but those are some ways to get connected because we don't want people to just here's one option you have to schedule a call with me or here's an option you have to buy from me i want to make sure people know that we're accessible to talk we have a podcast and there's also a free resource to get in your hands
1: that is so cool so is it
0: secrethabit.com or secrethabit.ca.
1: CA. for Okay, perfect. So there you go. Head over. And i just encourage if you're listening to the podcast, stop it right now. Pause it. Go over to that website and just save it and go back to it later if you need to. But if, if you don't take action now, you will forget because you're going to be barraged with a thousand other good ideas in the run of a day. But if you're wrestling with porn or you have a child who you suspect is wrestling with porn, stop right now. <laughs> Click on that. And and send a text and just connect with Sean and, and just see what God might have for you. And you do not have to be Christian to embrace this stuff and recognize this sucks. It's not good for me. It's not good for my marriage and or I'm young and I hate that my life is filled with shame and secrets and I don't want to be like this anymore. Well, good for you. Like, don't be like this anymore. Yes. Get help. You don't have to fight it alone. Like, yes. bring that into the light. It's okay. Your sexuality is very powerful. It's okay. But man, you can get it really right, and you'd be a thousand times the man you are now, if you rid yourself of this garbage that is just so attractive to all of us, for very natural reasons. But man, it's we can do better.
0: I just yeah, yes. yeah. So good, Ron. I did all of that. And we even have an episode on our podcast. I think it's like episode eight on what it looks like to have total transformation. Helen and I were looking at old pictures of when I was addicted to porn and looking at the years in sequence. And it's unbelievable. My eyes, my my the skin, the health of my body transformed over the years of being free from porn. Mm. I love that.
1: And, and, and let me ask you this. This is, a, this is an important question, but I, I remember there, uh, um, one of the mega pastors in the U.S., uh, mega pastor, unbelievably well-respected around the world, and rightfully so, um, his wife one time got on a show and talked about her porn addiction as the wife of one of the most famous pastors in the world. And I just thought, thank you. Thank yeah. you for talking about it from a woman's perspective and thank you for admitting that just because you you're a Christian you know it's not like life is simple and temptations go away it's like no they're all still there yeah <laughs> like we yeah. still have to wrestle with it and so it doesn't go away just because you're a Christian so if there are pastors out there that are that are wrestling with pornography is is your ministry are you is that a safe place to go to begin to wrestle with this stuff for those men to get that out of their lives
0: yeah thank you for asking Ron. I've worked with three pastors hands-on myself one of them in the city locally here one of them in BC and one of them in Texas and it's just been incredible to watch them flourish in Mm. the next season after healing and I just have a huge passion to equip leaders so when a pastor comes to me the approach is not, I can't believe you're doing that. Don't you know you're a leader? It's man, you're a leader. That's such a hard place to be in it. I can actually see how you got to this place. Why don't we work on those areas that led you down that wrong path? Because you're a human, you're normal, and we all just need Jesus. So the approach is very much grace based. It's very much looking at the gaps that are being missed and realizing that a pastor, like you said, they're, just a human with a specific gift, that I'm a human with a specific gift, you're a human with a specific gift, and we all have flaws, we all have temptations, and we've we've actually all been programmed in a certain way growing up where there are traumas that often go undealt with. So my passion is actually looking at the stories of pastors, men, even women, and just looking at what has not been resolved, what has not been dealt with and and that's a huge passion of mine to unlock those areas of the mind that have just never been dealt with and just that's what brings this freedom because there's sobriety which is stopping a behavior but then there's freedom which is renewing your mind
1: amen amen and so i just encourage you as priests and bishops and leaders in the church like it's okay but get help like, get help. It's hard to lead out of a place that you yourself yeah. are in bondage. It's hard. And so don't be in bondage. Don't let this secret continue to pull away your integrity and drag you down. Like, it's like, let's not give Satan the victory. Let's, let's you know, touch base with Sean. Like, get some help. and And then as you begin to be sexually sober and experience that freedom, my guess is you'll be much more open to bringing that freedom to the people in your pews who are desperately needing it, desperately needing it. Sean, thank you for what you're doing. And I'm going to get Helena on an episode in the future to talk about it from her angle, because I think it's an important angle. And your guys' courage, courage, to be obedient to the call that God put on your heart is so admirable. And anytime somebody moves back to Nova Scotia, I am elated. So welcome home,
0: thanks, <laughs> <Mitch>, Ron. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to be here, man. It's really God. a blessing.
1: God bless the work you're doing. Keep up, it, keep it up. Thank so, God. for you that uh, are listening on audio, I just want to encourage you to head over to YouTube and 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 check out our youtube thank you for i know there's been some more questions and comments coming in as i've been asking for them so thank you very much it means a lot and if there are episodes or conversations that you would like us to have or maybe angles that you'd like us to take in particular interviews, let me know. Uh, We're here to serve the church, and we want to help you be an amazing leader. So thank you for your support. Continue to share, rate the podcast, and leave comments. Uh, It really means a lot to us. God bless you, and thank you for all the work that all of you are doing out there to make a difference. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you